welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary, your weekly glimpse into the life of indie author Paul Teague. Find out how many words got written over the past seven days, hear what's on the planning board, and discover the tips and tools which Paul is using to self-publish his books and get them selling as fast as possible. This is Paul's Podcast Diary, and here's your show host, Paul Teague. Hello and welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary for Saturday the 7th of October 2017. I have just finished in the last hour writing the first 5,000 and what is it, 68 words of my new sci-fi dystopian novel, which is called Deleted. Now, this has been a real gear change from writing the thrillers. I barely feel like I've finished uh, One Fatal Error. In fact, I have barely finished One Fatal Error. I finished the editing last week and sent it to Helen Fazar, my editor, on Monday. And now here I am writing sci-fi. And I was talking to a a friend earlier today, and it's actually about two years since I've written sci-fi now, because I wrote the Don't Tell Meg trilogy, and then I've written these three sci-fi novels, I beg your pardon, these three thriller novels so far this year, and now I am back to sci-fi. So six thrillers, now back to sci-fi. And it's a bit of a gear change. A couple of interesting things about this book. The first thing is I really like the title, Deleted. Now, if you have a look at the show notes for this week's podcast diary, you'll say I've got this lovely cover, which I'll talk to you about in a minute or two. So I'm really happy with the title, Deleted, but it is causing me some day-to-day problems. And actually, my wife just said the same thing to me because I sent her the first 5,000 words to take a look at. Every file that I've got on my computer with this book, of course, starts with the words deleted. So it looks like it's been deleted. So although it works as a title and as a sci-fi concept, it doesn't really work on computers. So I am struggling a little bit with it. I'm thinking, well, should I put it in uh, in speech marks or, um, you know, should I put a hashtag in front of it just to remind myself that it's a title? But it, it is actually quite disconcerting seeing all these files labeled deleted on your computer. So that's a, a bit of a, a minor issue, but I'm, I'm sure I'll get the hang of it once I'm into the book. Now, the other thing is, is that when I was writing this book today, <laughs> when I write thrillers, we have sexy scenes in there, quite a lot of um, swearing in there as well, very blunt ways of, of speaking. And of course, being with sci-fi, I tend to, although I don't sell it to, to teenagers, my my tone, what I'm aiming for is a Hunger Games divergent kind of feel to the books. So there aren't sex scenes in them. And there aren't swear words in my sci-fi novels. So, of course, I was about to launch into some swearing in the book today. I thought, oh, no, no, I don't do that with my sci-fi. So I'm also having to remember not to keep dropping F-bombs and all sorts of other unspeakable words. So there has been a process of of just me getting back into the flow of the sci-fi today. And I have been jittery about writing this. You, You know... If you listen to these diaries, if you've listened for any length of time, you know I always get jittery uh, before I start writing a new book. And I'm, I'm feeling much better now because I've written the first 5,000 words. But I don't, I'm not sure I've quite got this book yet. And that's fine because this is first draft only. And I can go back and rewrite it and I can tweak things. But for instance, I, I'd got my opening scene. I like to have a strong opening scene. And actually, as I was writing that today, it turned into quite a sustained chapter I actually thought no I don't want this to be the throwaway open scene it's usually where I set the stakes in in my sci-fi um and you get a sense of the world and, and what's going on but actually that first I guess what you'd call maybe a prologue turned into a chapter that I want to keep and I actually want to use the characters in that later on rather than just discarding them um so chapters uh, or parts one and two today were quite sustained I was happy with them but I actually hadn't got my 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 prologue or my strong opening scene anymore 
so I wrote it backwards, back to forwards. I, I wrote basically chapter one, part one, chapter one, part two. And then I had to come back last to write the prologue. It was out of order in terms of being a writing day. So uh, just a little bit jittery about that. I've sent it to my wife and said, would you just uh, read that and and just let me know whether it's it's fine. I'm heading off on, on the right track with that. I, I think I've got it. I, I think probably the, the 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 process, this this idea of deletion of the book, just needs a little bit more uh, thought and work on on my part. And you know, I, I was tempted. I have got some slack in this quarter four of the year, and I was tempted not to write today. But I decided I, I've got a free day to write. It was allocated for writing. So I'm going to sit down and I'm going to start writing this book, and I will figure out my way um, through those issues by writing and if I have to go back if it's a bit messy and I have to rewrite and just align some of the concepts in there I will but I didn't want to ultimately I didn't want to miss a writing day so I forced myself to write um it was it was quite hard writing today um again you you'll know that when I do the thrillers I usually sit down write and it's okay I know where I'm going with them uh, but today I had to pick through it quite slowly think about things uh, research a few things um, so I, I took up my full allocated time to do the writing today and it didn't feel like it was um, flowing massively or particularly easy, but I, I, at least we've started now. I've put my, my stick in the sand and said, this is going to be a book and this is the way it's going. Now, again, as I've said to you previously, I think that when you do that, even if I were to discard some bits, I think that the story often writes itself. You often just have to say to yourself, okay, so what happens next in the story? And so the stories often write themselves. I certainly feel that way now, having written quite a few. But I, I do know because this is sci-fi, because I'm adjusting, that I'm going to have to thrash out a few more things with this. So, you know, that's fine. I'm not due to write. I'm just looking at my schedule here. You can hear me shuffling in the background. Um, I'm not due to write till next Friday now. So I've got another seven days to mull it over, to chug it through. And, and that's, that's what I do. I'm always chugging through the story in my head and I will plan for the next writing day. But I, I think we've got the solid foundations here. Um, ho hopefully nothing too drastic will have to change. And I'll just see what my wife says when she reads it. Quite excited about this story because it's going to be a standalone. And I've just found a, a way that I'm really happy with to bridge the worlds of my two trilogies. So it, it takes place after The Secret Bunker and before The Grid. And I also have another series that that's um, linked to The Secret Bunker trilogy that takes place in the universe. So all of these books are going to be linked uh, in some way to the, the same universe, which which I find quite exciting. So it's nice to be writing in that universe again. And I'm very happy with the way this book's going to link those those two trilogies and bring them together. And also from a business point of view, it's going to be a standalone. It's going to be free on 99 cents. Not sure which yet, but this this is going to be a this is going to be the conduit to take you into my two box sets, um, which is why I want it to span both worlds. So when you when you read this standalone book, it, it will be very firmly placed in terms of the narrative um, after Secret Bunker before the grid. So you can read it and access both of those trilogies. So it's very much a jumping off point to, to, to encourage people to buy the two box sets. So it, it, this is part of my grand pincer movement. And, um, the, 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 the next book that I'm writing after Christmas, the standalone thriller will be the same for the thrillers. I'll have two standalone, uh, novels and they will push you into 
the box sets. And then I hope to make money on the box sets. And these books will be free or 99 cents or a combination of both. So um, if you follow me on social media, you'd have seen the cover for Deleted. And this is one of those examples where I looked for story inspiration among pre-designed covers. And I recommend this tip to you. If you're stuck for a story, you can't quite grasp the mood or the feel of a story. I found it really useful. I've done this with the thrillers too. And you look at covers that people have created. These are called pre-made covers. And uh, just as a sideline, they're much cheaper than having covers ready designed. So if you are on a budget, um, they're usually about, you know, they vary, but about they're no more than a hundred dollars, often much less than a hundred dollars. So it's not anywhere near as much as having a bespoke cover design, but it's of the same quality. So if you can find a cover that suits your story, then it's great to bargain. So I was looking at sci-fi covers and I came across this one for delete and I got this concept already. I saw the cover and the cover fitted the concept and I thought, yeah, and I just, I got the story then. I thought, yeah, I see where this is going now. So I bought the, the ready-made cover. I do like to write to a cover. I'm, it's funny, as I'm writing more and more, it really helps me to have the cover in front of me to, to write to cover. And I, I find that a very useful creative um, experience and a creative spur. So um, I can't even remember why I found, where, where I found the cover, to be honest with you. You know what it's like when you're on the internet. You click something, you click something else, and before you know it, you've bought something. Um, but I ended up at Cover Mint Design. And the book, the cover is by a gentleman called Dan Van Oss. Now... I ordered the cover, uh, loved the cover, uh, sent my order in and said, this is what I want on the cover. And Dan got back to me and said, oh, I'm a podcast listener. Now, I can't tell you how much joy that gives me uh, when you're just talking to somebody uh, for business and, and you don't know them yet. And they happen to listen to your podcast. And what's more, they enjoy it, which is great. So uh, Dan is a, a podcast listener. And now he, he's also uh, provided a cover for my next book, which is I just love. It's lovely uh, serendipity there. Uh, love the designs. I would urge you to check out Dan's designs. It's a really good site. So the business is Covermint Design. Dan does uh, ebook and print covers. He does ebook formatting and recovering. I'm not quite sure what recovering is. I'll have to ask him. And I will be able to ask him because um, when Dan and I were to and froing on the emails, it turns out he's also an author. He's got four or five uh, books published as well. And that's why he listens to the podcast. And I, I dropped him a note and said, you and me need to be talking because um, it's some time since I have interviewed a cover designer. Uh, I'm a very big fan of, of pre-made covers and I've, I've not spoken to a designer yet who does pre-mades yet so um I, I said to Dan will you come on the podcast and he said yes and he's booked in I just booked him in this morning um so we'll be talking about his writing and we'll be talking about his cover creation and I would urge you to uh, check out cover mint design I can't remember how much I paid for the cover 70 dollars something like that um, I'm very very happy with it and Dan did a great service he did me uh, all the 3d versions uh, multiple um, 3D versions, really, really, really happy. Uh, and he will change the byline um, or the, the sub headline for me um, because I said to him, I'm probably going to dither with that, but I'd like a book to work from and I'll probably refine that. But he'll he'll refine that for me when I need it as part of the price. So I, I'm very, very happy with that and um, highly commend Covermint Design too. Go and have a look at that. And I'll be talking to Dan in a few weeks time. Just to conclude this bit, the kind of writing update too, um, One Fatal Error then has now gone off to Helen Fazal. She's got it for a couple of months. It's uh, on pre-sale now, and I will be publishing it in December, December the 6th. That's going live. 
Um, again, you know, I'm not sort of doing, I know, I, I know I should be, but I'm not really planning any super mega launches because I'm really writing books now to get these, this complement of four, um, trilogies in place and the two lead-ins. And that's kind of, that's how I'm going to set out my stall, uh, in the new year in terms of my sales and marketing. And some disappointing news for you this week. Um, do you ever had those days? Maybe you're entering writing competitions or you get a little bite, a little nibble. Somebody looks like they might be interested. And then you've got all this positivity around thinking, yeah, I could do it. I could do it. And then you just get a knockback. I had, I had two knockbacks yesterday, one after the other. I think they came in uh, maybe an hour of each other. And, and so you've got this expectation in the air and then, it, and then they come and give you two good kicks so the first thing I had was um if you cast your mind back a couple of weeks I mentioned that I was in a is it a long list a long list for the Kindle Book Awards so this was the grid the grid one which seems to do all right in awards actually you know the it's, it's, it gets good reviews and it, it does well the grid one or the grid trilogy does um doesn't sort of seem to have any inherent problems with it and it's always done pretty well in awards so by pretty well in awards i mean it, it gets shortlisted longlisted uh, did it win wishing shelf something happened in the wishing shelf did i get a silver or something i i, I forget but it, it's had a modicum of success in, in these in these awards so it makes you feel that it, it must be okay well i got the email from the kindle book awards and i think i was a long list then they have a short list then they have the winner i thought right I'd love to get to the shortlist. Uh, I don't mind if I don't win, but it'd be nice to get to the shortlist. Well, I was knocked out. <laughs> so hard luck, Paul. So how many were there? One, two, there were five in the shortlist. Uh, uh, rough count, maybe 20 in the long list. Uh, but I didn't make it to the shortlist. So Kindle Book Awards is off. Not going to grab anything from those awards. I would have quite liked that one because I think they're quite big awards, those. And I think they did they uh, discover Hugh Howie, something like that. So I, I would have liked to have at least made shortlist in that. So that was disappointing. And then um, I think I mentioned this um, in a previous diary um, a while ago. I've been interested in a couple of um, sort of more modern, they're not really traditional publishers, but they're, they're not self-publishers. They're, I don't know, you wouldn't even call them an agency. I'm not really sure what you call them, but they, 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 traditionally published in a cool more modern way so bloodhound books is one of those uh joff books is one of those there's a couple there's a couple more that i'm interested in that i would like to get books placed with at some point and bloodhound after doing a couple of interviews with people who are work for them or are published with them is i'm really interested in bloodhound at the moment so um i had sent don't tell meg to bloodhound in before christmas they'd asked for the full manuscript having said the first whatever it was 20 pages or something i'd sent them and a synopsis and then I'd send that back to them and it sort of got lost in the post somehow I think they were getting a lot of books and they were changing staff at the time so when I when I interviewed Bloodhound um, they said oh send it in yeah it must have got lost sorry about that send it in and we'll have a look at it so I sent it in uh, the other day they sent the full manuscript in and it was <laughs> it was like the Craig Martell experience when you send it off and it comes straight back like a boomerang and clunks you on the head um, and it was a, it was a knockback straight away from Bloodhound Books. So, of course, that's disappointing. I, I would like to place a book with Bloodhound Books. Um, I, I guess Don't Tell Meg is is uh, quite sustained. Um, it's not. Um, I, I think I think all my my books constantly have twists and turns. I try and put one at the end of each chapter uh, to keep driving the momentum uh, forwards. 
but um, I, I immediately licked my wounds and sent another book to them. I'm afraid Bloodhound are going to get everything, whether they like it or not, and they're going to have to reject them all, um, you know, until I stop because I, I want to try and place a book with them, and I want to go through their process if I can. Um, as, as much, you know, I, I want to learn from that. I want to go through the editorial process of people who are shifting a lot of books in my genre because I want to learn from it. I need to learn. Um, and, and to me, it's worth taking the cut in the royalties to, to go through the process to learn from people who know what they're doing in that genre and who's shifting a lot of books, but also to access the network of authors and the support team. So that, that's why I want to do that. And, and I really rate Bloodhound books too, the kind of books they have um, on their list. So it was very disappointing to get uh, Don't Tell Meg uh, kicked into the log grass straight away. Um, you know, I think they're a good series of books, but Bloodhound have to um, keep to genre. They have to keep to their brand, which is which is fine. So I sent them Dead of Night. Now, Dead of Night's a very different book. It's it, it, I think the action starts. I think it starts with um, two people driving in the in the middle of the night, and they just hit somebody in the road. That that's how the book starts, and it doesn't sort of really let up from there. So I've sent them a very different book. Um, very very action oriented. <laughs> let's see how long. Let's see how long that lasts. Let's see if, well, I sent them the first twenty whatever twenty pages. I think it was whatever it was five thousand words something like that. Uh, let's see if they ask for the rest of it or whether it just gets kicked straight out. But um, as I say, I'm going to work through all the books and see if I can find one that works with um, with Bloodhound books. I'll, I'll let you know what goes on there. Now, last week I went through um, my quarter three review. And it is quarter four now, October to December. And as you know, I plan my years by year by quarters. So I just wanted to run through what my objectives were for quarter four, taking us towards the end of the year. And I've put a photograph of my planning board on the show notes for this week's diary. So if you go to um, selfpublishingjourneys.com, just click on the front page. The diary will be the first thing you see there. Click on the link and you'll see a photograph of my planning board. I think I haven't had to, I usually have to blur a few things out that just relate to family stuff and stuff that I can't really share in public, uh, financial stuff and things, but there's only one thing blurred out on there uh, this quarter, which is which is nice. You can see virtually the whole board. Um, the, the other thing that I noticed when I'd taken a photo of the board was how unevenly I write. You wouldn't know that I used to be a primary school teacher. One of the first things I used to have to do when I came in for work in the morning was to write the date neatly on the chalkboard and then do handwriting stuff and things on a chalkboard. I can't believe that my writing is as skew-whiff as it is on my, on my whiteboard. You can really see it on that photograph. So apologies for that. Maybe I should get a ruler or something to try and write a little bit more neatly. But anyhow, here, here here's what's coming up for the next quarter. Well, the first thing, of course, is that I'm writing my fourth book of the year. Now, remember, these are 50,000-word novels. Now, again, to remind you, the reason I'm writing at 50,000 words is, number one, because I can write, I can get a novel out per quarter, so I can write fast and furious and get these box sets out. Now, I may return, don't tell Meg they were written to 90,000 words, and I may return to that at some point, but at the moment, I'm writing strategically to get this complement of books um, so I can mark it effectively. So this is going to be a 50,000-word book. It's called Deleted. It's my sci-fi dystopian novel that will make four books for this year, and I'm going to write it to 50,000 words again, because a novel is counted as anything from 40,000 words upwards, and you can sell it at full price. And at the moment, because I'm using Amazon ads, I am selling at um, and pricing at 4.99 and making sales at that level, which is very, very interesting for me as somebody who had books up for free for quite a long time. 
So I'm going to release one fatal error on the 6th of December. That's away in editing. And I've budgeted three more days for me to give my final run through after Helen gets it. Now, um, again, with this podcast, um, I am, you, you will know that I was heading for episode 100 before I did a review of the podcast. And I will have up to episode 100 recorded by Christmas of this year. I've just ticked episode number 96. I've just confirmed my guest for episode 96. I've got two more guests for episodes 97 and 98. I'm just waiting for those two guests to confirm a date with me, a recording session with me, which will just give me two more to hit that target of 100. Um, And then I think, um, again, just to give you a steer on this, I think it's very likely um, that I, I will be renewing until the two year anniversary of this podcast, which is April sometime. So that'll be episode, I don't know what that is, a hundred and something, uh, well into the hundreds. Um, but it's very, very likely just because of my writing plans for the year that it's likely to go, um, you know, through, through to that date before it gets another review. Um, I'll mention something else a little bit later though that just might, might, affect that and and actually I'd probably ask for your feedback on this when I get to it because I'd appreciate hearing what you have to say about it. I have a couple of events coming up uh, before Christmas. I'm doing Borderlines on Sunday of this weekend so I'm doing a three-hour presentation about how to self-publish that's in Carlisle in my hometown and then I'm doing an event for the Society of Authors in November. That's in Manchester. So looking forward to doing both of those. Uh, they're both paid events. So they're paid author events, which go into my author business. And uh, what I'm trying to do more and more now is I'm wanting to transition from doing um, digital marketing training, which I, I, I kind of like to get out of other than in the way that it um, lends itself to being an author. And I would like to move into self-publishing and author-oriented talks. So the fact I'm doing Borderlines, the fact I'm doing Society of Authors, the fact I've been booked in for the Historical Novel Society in Scotland for next year, this is all good stuff. It's paid author talks talking about writing that's where I want to make my move and and move move into that zone with my speaking stuff got a uh, several family trips uh, planned in between now and uh, Christmas um I we're going to Krakow with my son in November I think um I've got Benidorm on the board there um I am booked in for Benidorm but I I, I may or may not go to Benidorm I might cancel that trip not quite sure yet and, and save the days and, and jiggle year round so uh, Benidorm's booked the plane's booked um but but the hotels and everything else isn't paid for so um we'll have we'll have to see with that but um possibly Benidorm before Christmas um I, I'm almost uh, very unlikely to chicken out because I do like to get a bit of sun before Christmas but we'll we'll see with that and um, I want to continue my exercise. So you'll see from the, the screenshot that I've put on the, the whiteboard that I've done my exercise for this week. So I'm trying to exercise three times a week and trying to keep that habit up. So you'll see all the stars there. And the aim is, is that that's basically every week that I'm able to exercise over Christmas when I'm not away from home, not away from my exercise uh, machine. So um, I'm, I want to keep the exercise up. I'm very, very happy that I kept it up over summer. I really want not to break that habit. Something that has changed in this quarter is that um, you've heard me saying uh, I'm I'm okay at the book production, but I don't do the marketing enough. And I I wanted to um, follow Robin Sharma's maxim. Robin Sharma's a guy who I like to listen to a lot for for, for mindset uh, work. And one of his phrases is um, 
you know, the things that get scheduled get done. And I'm a real believer in that. That's why I do these quarterly planning boards. If you, if you articulate what you want to achieve and you, you, you plan it and you set a time scale for it, you're more likely to achieve it. Whereas if you just generally want to achieve something that you don't plan, chances of it happening are pretty minimal. So I'm a big planner, as you'll know. Um, and marketing is the thing I am, I'm failing on. I'm not doing enough marketing. Uh, and, and so, um, I've scheduled it. I've scheduled it to make sure it gets done. So on my planning board this month, it's the same with the exercise. So last quarter, I said to you, I wanted to do exercise. And if I schedule it, it it got done. I exercised 32 times, 32 days in that last quarter. So with I, I've built in marketing days in this quarter. I've got 10 marketing days built in between now and Christmas. I had my first marketing day yesterday on Thursday. I spent the day using um, Kindle Rocket, uh, Dave Chesson's KDP Rocket, Kindle Rocket, whatever it's called, um, to research keywords for my thrillers. I created a whole new load of Amazon ads based on those keywords. I now have three Goodreads author profiles, one for sci-fi, one for non-fiction, and one for thrillers. I also have three BookBub author profiles, one for each of my genres. And I have picked a photograph which accompanies each of the author profiles so that I've got branding consistency across those profiles. So I had a big old marketing day yesterday. I put my book, I submitted my book to a couple of places and uh, went in for a competition yesterday, all at great speed, I hasten to add. Uh, one of them was on the last day of entry. I'd had it on my board and ignored it and, and turned it around really fast. So um, and ended up having to send it next day post at great expense, I hasten to add. But I just, I just my reaction, I try, I try, when I have knockbacks, when people say no or, or reject something, I, um, my immediate default is to go into, into misery. And I have to very proactively pull myself out of that and make myself do something positive as a reaction against it. So, you know, don't sit there sulking, boot yourself up the butt and do something positive to, to try and change that. And that's what I did yesterday. I, I needed to do that uh, in reaction to getting my two, those, those two knockbacks. I, I need to feel like I've got things in play all the time. Um, and it keeps me positive. So that, that's why I did those things. So 10 marketing days. Now, um, if I struggle with the writing, um, I'll have to nibble into those marketing days to, to turn them into writing days, but I have got enough writing days and enough marketing days in between now and Christmas. So I really want to do those 10 marketing days because I've got to do better marketing. I've got to get stuff sorted out so that I can shift my books. As I've said to you before, it's not acceptable. That I just keep writing and producing. I've got to sell more. I've got to do better with the sales. So that's why I'm scheduling marketing days now. And I'll, I'll, I'll continue to do that. I think, um, if, if it proves successful. Um, the other thing I've been thinking of, and this is where I said, I, I think I might just ask for your opinion, if that's okay. If you don't mind just sending me a little social media message or a, or an email, I'd appreciate this. One of the things that I've really enjoyed about doing this podcast, I, I absolutely love it. I mean, um, Dan, um, the, the, the gentleman who's done my book cover this week, he's a great example. Um, I, I end up, I, I buy a book cover, um, not knowing who I'm buying from particularly. Uh, somebody gets back to me and says, thanks for ordering the book cover. I listened to the podcast, really enjoy it. it, it, it um, I've never done anything online that has created these lovely relationships that this podcast is, is creating. Um, it's remarkable. Uh, I did, I've done blogging and email marketing. I've never had anything like a podcast. It works beautifully. And it just occurred to me the other day, you know, this is what we want as writers. You want to be having these kind of conversations with your audience, with your readers. And it just struck me that 
I ought to, I always get the most positive feedback for this diary, which is just me yakking into a microphone. And, and again, I, I, I interviewed Queeve McDonald this week. Um, Queeve's going to be a future guest. I'll, I'll talk about that in a moment or two. And, and what Queeve said is he listens to the diary every Saturday. I know a lot of you listen to the diary every Saturday to hear me rabbiting on about things that have gone right and wrong every week. And, and it's, it seems to be the thing that people most appreciate about this podcast. And it just got me thinking, well, I wonder if I could do the same thing for my books. Should I create a, a new podcast around the books? And it wouldn't be a weekly podcast. Uh, it would just be a one month, one episode a month podcast. And all I would do uh, on an episode is just talk like I'm talking to you now and just take, for instance, the secret bunker one and just talk about it. Say where the ideas came from, talk about the characters, uh, the locations where the ideas came from, drop a few secrets in there and just talk casually like I'm doing now. And I would do one a month and I would try and get all the books covered as soon as possible. And then as my, as I continue writing, I just talk as an author, uh, once a month, half an hour to an hour. Um, and it would hopefully just generate the kind of relationships I'm generating with this podcast, but with readers. So, with that in mind, I've targeted um, the first three episodes of that podcast. Um, now, I mustn't make a rod for my own back with this. This is not good to be like this podcast, where I show up on time every week. It, it, will, it, it could be a, an occasional podcast. So, for instance, if I if I didn't get a book out for a quarter, you'd, you'd wait a quarter for the next episode. But the thing about audio, of course, is that it, it creates this lovely evergreen content. So, in terms of my fiction, it wouldn't really matter that the, the, the podcast wouldn't become dated. When you discovered me as a writer, you just work through the podcast episodes that you're interested in. So I'm really quite interested in this. Um, and so I, I've put down to do the first three episodes of that author podcast. Now, why I want your opinion on this is one of the things I was considering in the new year. Um, it was to continue to do the this podcast diary weekly, because I'm going to have a writing regime um, until certainly the end of March next year in 2018. So these podcast diaries would continue every Saturday on a weekly basis. But I just wanted to seek your opinion about um, running the interview podcasts just for three months while I get on top of this author podcast, while I do the episodes for this author podcast, um, maybe just taking a slight break from the relentless routine of interviews and booking that I do so that I would have one guest interview in January, one in February, one in March, and then return to the weekly guest interviews, uh, maybe in April, so that I can get these episodes recorded and processed and broadcast for the author podcast. So I've got one episode for every book. And then again, I would just pick that up as I wrote a book. I could just, that would just be maintained um, month by month. It would be easy to maintain that. But I'd like to, to catch up with the backlog of fiction books I've got, but I, I, it's very unlikely that I'm going to be able to do it as well as keeping my podcast recording regime up. Um, it's a pretty tight, relentless uh, process of constantly booking, uh, recording, editing people uh, for this podcast. So um, again, I, I'd like to seek your opinion on that. How much would it bother you if... In January, February, and March of 2018, you just got one guest interview per month, and but you still got these diaries once every week. Um, if you've got an opinion on that, just drop me an email to paul at paulteague.com. Um, just bleep me through social media. Just interested to know um, whether that would mess up your week or whether that's something that would be fine, uh, bearing in mind I'd be creating extra content around the, the fiction books that I've written.
Um, also on this board, uh, it's going to be a long diary, I'm afraid, this week, but also on my planning board uh, this quarter is um, Burden of Guilt is set in Scotland, and it's been it's worked very, very well for me, having my books being sold through the Real Secret Bunker in Scotland. So I'm going to, I've created some lovely posters. Uh, I got them done at a printing shop recently. I've got about six of them, something like that. And I'm planning on doing slightly um, modified versions of the books um, that have lots of place names on the covers um, to sell them in physical locations. So uh, I'm going to have a go at Fort William tourist information, uh, the bridge, uh, the Spine Bridge shop at the cafe that I mentioned in Spine Bridge in Scotland, and just to see if they'll stock the books. And initially I was just going to send them some for free and say, sell the books, whatever price you want, keep the money. If they sell, get back to me and I'll, I'll supply you with books, but obviously I'll, you know, I need to take some money from those. I can't supply them for free forever. Uh, and I've made them some nice posters to help them advertise them. So, um, I'm not, uh, again, this is one of these things I'm chugging. Uh, I, but I, I ran into problems this week because, um, I want to get, I think if the tourist board agree to stock the books, I think they'll want to order them through proper channels. They won't want to go through create space. They'll want to go through, um, Ingram Sparks channels. Is it gardeners and whoever the other one is? Um, so I need to put burden of guilt onto Ingram Spark. Now I've processed that book in Vellum. It, um, Ingram Spark immediately takes the PDF file that Vellum creates, which is fantastic, but I do need to get a properly formatted uh, cover. So that's the bit that's holding me up at the moment. I need to get a cover in a PDF format that I could put on Ingram Spark, and then I can list Burden of Guilt through channels where the um, Tourist Information Office could then order it directly because I think that's what they're going to want. So that's what's holding that up at the moment. But hopefully over this weekend, if I get time, uh, I'm going to find somebody on Fiverr who could just do that for me because it's not something I can do at the moment. I've also budgeted some learning in this month. Um, I, there's just not enough hours in the day, are there? You you must feel this too when you're you're doing this. You know, I, I work three days a week. The podcast schedule is fairly relentless. Um, I'm trying to write and edit as well. Um, and I, I'm, I'm aware that I should be, I need to read more fiction. I, I really painfully aware of this this year that if I'm going to improve my writing, I need to be reading more in my genre. I'm, I'm failing at that. Um, the other thing is I'm failing at is I need to keep learning. I'm not finding enough learning time. Um, so I've got lots of courses that I want to work through. Uh, Mark Dawson's course, uh, Dave Chesson. I got one from Writer's Workshop. Brilliant little course that I started. I just haven't had the time or haven't made the time to sit down and work through it. So, um, I thought I right, I must schedule some learning time. So because I'm working on Amazon ads at the moment, the learning time I've scheduled is Dave Chesson's free Amazon ads course and Mark Dawson's Amazon ads course, which is I've had access to for ages. And I just haven't accessed them. So it's my bad. Um, but I'm going to really, I just, again, the things that get scheduled get done. If I schedule it on my board, it's constantly in my mind. It's top of mind. And I will make the time to get that learning done. Certainly going to prioritize it. On my uh, board, number 11, uh, I'm going to submit all my thrillers to Bloodhound Books. I'm really determined about this. I'm, they're they're going to see all those darn books. And, and if they reject all of them, fine. Uh, you know, if, if, if they just decide that my books aren't for them, that's fine. But I'm going to have a really good crack at Bloodhound Books. So they're going to get all my thrillers. So on the board there, I've sent them Don't Tell Meg. That's been knocked back. They've just got Dead of Night. One Fatal Error is going to come their way. And so is Burden of Guilt. They're going to get all the books. And um, if they reject them, that's fine. Uh, but I want to see if there's something I can find that I can place with Bloodhound books. 
Um, I need to get, I did say I want to build my list this quarter. Actually, I'm feeling tired already just <laughs> reading these quarterly aims out. I'm thinking, oh, I've got a lot of work to do. But actually, this comes into my marketing day. So um, I want to have a couple of free book promotions, and I want to run them. So um, my the, be the best book promotions for me have been the ones I've organized. And interestingly, Queeve McDonald, who I interviewed uh, this week, um, Queeve I met in Manchester at the Amazon Academy, and then he took part in one of my giveaways. I can't remember which order it came in, but Queeve was telling me the other day um, – how good my giveaways were. And I was thinking, yeah, they were pretty good. We all got a lot of signups from that. So I want to write, run one of my sci-fi and thriller giveaways. If you're listening to this and you do sci-fi or thrillers, drop me a line if you want to be on board, because I'd always rather have pals of the show, uh, you know, friends of the show on first. So I will prioritize you if you're a friend of the show. And if you want to be on one of my um, Insta freebie promos, let me know. I'd love to see you there. So, um, Freebie book promos, my promos, and I'm going to do some Insta freebie promos to try and get my list up to 10,000 if I can. I'm going to have a crack at BookBubs again. I'm going to try with Don't Tell Med and The Grid. If they reject me, so be it. But I'm going to keep trying BookBub over this quarter. And finally, I'm going to, I've already listed actually, I've got Authors XP promos for sci-fi. I'm listing The Grid and I'll list one of my thrillers as well. Possibly, um, it'll possibly be Dead of Night, I think. So I think I've got a thriller. Let me just check the schedule. So I'm doing a thriller uh, next from next Tuesday the 10th. And then they only they only do these uh, promos intermittently. So I have booked in the sci-fi one. Sorry, I'm flicking my head here. Sorry for making a noise. The sci-fi one is actually at the beginning of January. That's as soon as I can get it on Authors XP. If you haven't tried Authors XP... I have recommended them before. They're well worth a look at. It's just a different way of building a list with a different audience. And again, I always get several hundred when I use an author's XP promo, uh, which is great. So um, a lot of those last things on the list, uh, items 12, 13, 14, 15, to be fair, they fit into marketing days. They're all fitted into my marketing days. And in actual fact, I must remember to do this. What I should also do um, on my whiteboard, I've now got a list of marketing objectives and podcast objectives. And, and what I'll do is I'll, um, I haven't done this yet. I've forgotten to do it, but I'll photograph those and I'll put those on the resources page too, because my marketing days, I've boiled down into priorities, the things that I need to do to just, I need to get my business uh, sorted out. Um, you know, I, I, being a writer, being a self-published author is more than just writing the books. I've got to get the business side sorted out. So you're going to hear some real resolve from me to get that done in this quarter or the next quarter. Okay. So what have I got to tell you? We're nearly there. Just a couple more things to mention. Uh, just a reminder, I'm doing borderlines on Sunday. Um, three hours of me chatting away about self-publishing. Looking forward to doing that. It's where I met John Cronshaw last year. Uh, John is a, a Northwest writer. He writes uh, sci-fi dystopian books. We met at Borderlines last year, so it's always great to meet um, other authors. Uh, John has proven to be a great contact for me, um, you know, a source of lovely information. He does. He's doing lots of innovative innovative things even though I can't say the word um, and, and you know somebody I want to keep an eye on and I'll be touching base with John uh, regularly in terms of his career as well so that was you know great great for me as well as an enjoyable event I did want to mention draft to digital uh, we've had a couple of really good innovations in the last few weeks I was very excited and it's interesting to hear that all the other podcasts are talking about it this week that um that book funnel are now allowing you to sell books through their system 
and you can manage the payments through a third party. Really delighted to see that Draft to Digital, who I've just been a fan of ever since I started using them, Draft to Digital now have a refer a friend scheme so that you can generate revenue from referring a friend. So for somebody like me who has a podcast, clearly I'm always talking about Draft to Digital and how great they are. I now got a referral link and we actually get to share, uh, a, it looks like the way they've set it up, we actually get to share um, some of Draft the Digital's profits, a sort of revenue share, which is just a just a brilliant idea, an inspired idea to make people feel like they're they're part of the business. So um, it's really great when a business that you can fully buy into, like Draft the Digital, does something innovative like that. It's why I love Draft the Digital because they just constantly keep innovating. I've seen this with Book Funnel, and I've seen it with Insta Freebie. All the time, these people keep innovating and adding. Uh, new elements to our armory they're just well worth committing to you, you want to see constant innovation in in a product in a service and, and all of those three services are doing that and th- this is not tinkering around the edges and messing stuff up for the sake of it this is improving the service to authors so I highly commend all three of those services to you because of their attitude to innovation. Draft the Digital, uh, Insta Freebie, and Book Funnel. Check them out if you haven't so far. And if you haven't checked out Draft the Digital, by the way, go to the show notes and use my new referral link so I can get uh, a share of Draft the Digital's revenue. And I would encourage you to do that too because um, th- being an affiliate, being a referrer for products that you passionately believe in, never do it with things that you don't believe in, only, only do it with things you could wholeheartedly recommend, um, it's another source of author income. It's a really important source of author income. Just to finish off, then a couple of mentions at the end of the show. Queeve McDonald uh, did the interview on, was it Wednesday? Uh, been chasing Queeve for quite a long time. I think we've had to do a couple of cancellations and we finally got there. Great interview, really interesting guy. Uh, had a fantastic breakthrough in self-publishing um, and knows some famous people too. So that interview's coming up in November. Uh, Patrick Sheriff, who is a, a listener to the show. It's really interesting this. This is an example of what I was saying about the networking that comes from this podcast. Uh, Patrick um, originally uh, became known to me by tweeting. He was responding to um, my request, my ongoing request, to just take a photo where you're listening to the podcast and just let me know where you're listening. And Patrick's done this a couple of times, but he did this last weekend, and he was on a dusk bike ride along the – excuse me for mispronouncing this, Patrick. I'm an idiot with this stuff – Tonagawa, it's Japan's longest river. You, I don't know how you say it. Tonagawa, something like that. And he sent me a lovely picture of this river. And he's also trying to figure out Goodreads, which is what I was talking about at the time. So it's a, a Japan. People listening to the podcast in Japan. So um, I was checking out Patrick online, and we've already had half a conversation about this. He's got loads to talk about. And I just said, we need to get you on the podcast, Patrick. So Patrick's booked up, and he's going to come on the podcast, doing lots and lots of interesting things um, from his writing base in Japan. So we've got a really interesting story there. And uh, another chap who has got in contact, who's in Metro Vancouver on the west coast of Canada. My geography is terrible, guys, so excuse Excuse me, uh, for, you know, for not knowing precisely where you are. I have to look you up on Google Maps to see precisely where you are. But how exciting is that to do a podcast in rainy Carlisle and to have Edwin and Patrick listening, you know, at different parts of the world? It's really, really exciting and amazing that we could do that in the 21st century. So Ed, Edwin sent me a couple of tweets and one of them very interesting. Thank you for this, Edwin. Um, if you were listening to me moan about Kobo the other day, I, I probably have to eat a bit of humble pie here and admit that this was probably my mistake. And, and Edwin put me right on this. Th- thank you for that, Edwin. Um, Edwin said, um, 
he'd been listening to the podcast and said, when you sign up to Kobo Plus, you promise to keep your book in the program for six months. So Edwin's got a debut novel in there as well. And uh, if you remember, I was moaning saying, oh, blooming Kobo, uh, my book's all locked down. I need to go into KDP Select and I can't get it out. So it sounds like red faces all round in the Teak household. Um, it sounds like that was probably my fault because I'd stuck it in Kobo Plus and it's supposed to be locked in there for six months. I mean, I, you know, one of the other things you learn about me is I don't read small print. I just need somebody to tell me, what do I need to know about this? Just tell me what I need to know. Don't, don't overwhelm me with small print. So I, it's, I didn't read, I wouldn't have read the small print there. So I'd have just jumped into Kobo Plus thinking, oh, look, this is new and shiny. Let's have a bit of this and not even notice that bit. So, so my hearty apologies, um, to, to Kobo. Uh, in actual fact, that's great customer service because they, they, they let me jump through the six month hoop and they let me out of it. So thank you very much, Kobo. Um, my moaning was uh, unfounded. And thank you, Edwin, for putting me right on that. I will take a little bit more care next time I sign up with Kobo Plus. But as you know, regardless of all of that, I'm still committed to Kobo. I still want to list my books on Kobo. And when I'm through this current run of um, Amazon ads, I might start to extract a few books and start to put them back on Kobo once more. But I, I really do want to list on there. The other thing I wanted to mention about Edwin is that Edwin is uh, sent me a photo on Twitter. Thank you very much for that, Edwin. And um, Edwin, I, I assume, I don't know what, what your bread and butter job is, uh, Edwin, but you're, you're, you're in on the, a rooftop car park, which is empty. And you don't see car parks like that very often. So well done. Um, so thank you for sending uh, that photograph. And, and I just said, where are you, Ed? I'm not sure where you are in the world. And he's in Metro Vancouver, which is just fantastic. So thank you for listening to the show. And thank you very much for your support. I think this might be the longest diary ever. So I need to shut up and move on. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Just a reminder that my guest on Monday is Colin Shelbourne. Colin is introducing me in a couple of weeks' time at the Society of Authors event in Manchester. And I've known he's been on my radar for a long time, Colin, because when I used to work at the radio station in Cumbria, um, Colin's well known to us at the radio station as a professional cartoonist. And, and that's how I, I knew him beforehand. But um, Colin and I have, have met up a few times at my corporate training events around the county. And we've got talking as as, as authors. And I hadn't realised how much uh, authorial work and illustration work that Colin has done He's been at it for years, has got a tremendous uh, catalogue of books and of work now, uh, and has been a, a long-time member of the Society of Authors. So uh, last time I met him when we were in Kendall working together, I said, we, i got to speak to Ken, uh, Colin. We've got to have a chat about what you've been doing. We recorded that interview, fascinating interview, uh, really, really interesting what Colin's been doing. Uh, lots of um, stuff in there that I just wasn't aware of, stuff I didn't know, um, and coming to it from a completely different angle from somebody who's... Uh, core skill is in illustrating and cartooning. He's had work in uh, Private Eye, Reader's Digest, The Times. He's got humorous postcards that you can find all over the Lake District. So a completely different take on on the business of writing and publishing. And, and I'd always thought that Colin was traditionally published, but in actual fact, he's been hugely innovative for years. You know, before self-publishing was even um, a thing, Colin was Use it, being very innovative in that area so it's a really really interesting um podcast interview not only for me knowing colin locally but i think there's a lot of interesting information for you as a listener in that and that's coming up on monday the 9th of october and it's episode number 84 of self-publishing journeys thank you very much for listening sorry it's such a long one this week i hope you have a great week of writing i'll be back with you next saturday bye-bye for now thanks for listening to paul's podcast diary 
Make sure you subscribe to the podcast feed to hear next week's update and find out how many words get produced over the next seven days. Until then, we hope you have a great week of writing.